Hey there, Giant fans in the great states of New Jersey and Connecticut. We want to take a second to make sure you can take advantage of this amazing opportunity from DraftKings. If you're a new user, you can receive an incredible offer. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport, and you'll instantly get $150 added to your account in bonus bets. Win or lose, you'll still receive the bonus. And all you have to do is use the code GIANTINSIDER at sign up. Now, I know that some of you might be hesitant to try your hand at sports betting, but let me tell you, this is the perfect opportunity to give it a shot. Plus, using our code GIANTINSIDER not only gets you the bonus, but it also supports the podcast. It is deals like this that help cover our costs to bring you weekly podcast content. So, if you haven't signed up for DraftKings yet, please consider doing so and using our code GIANTINSIDER to place that first bet. Remember, this offer is only available to new customers who are 21 years or older and physically present in New Jersey or Connecticut. And please, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey or 888-789-7777 in Connecticut. So, what are you waiting for? Head to DraftKings.com and take advantage of this incredible opportunity today. Hey, Giant fans, welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast. My name is Jerry Foley. I'm the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper. And with me, as always, is the beat writer of the heart of Giants Nation. Nobody beats the biz. Chris Bizignano, and we welcome back to the program from our lads, Dave Syvertson, who is going to give us his analysis on the Giants draft, the undrafted free agents, and whatever else he wants to talk about. What's up, Dave? How you doing, fellas? It's, uh, it's only been a few weeks, but it seems like a lot has happened between now and the last time we talked, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Lots of uh, lots of activity with the Giants, with the draft, with trading up, and you know, and and, and it's funny because as the draft is transpiring, I go back and listen to the podcast, mm. um, and I guess we can start here, Chris, if you're okay with that. Um, you know, the you were high on the cornerbacks, and at, you know, I, I remember you saying you, you mentioned Deontay Banks, and I went back and listened, and you had him in your top five, and. Yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, are, are you, were you like, hey, I told you so? You know, I knew they were going to go corner first round or, um, and, and, you know, what are, you, what are your thoughts there, bud? As the first round was transpiring, because we did not see a single receiver come off the board until 20, I, I, that's where I thought the direction would go. So I'm not going to tell, tell you that I told you so. Right. But, but with that said, you had that historic run on receivers, right? You had four of them go in a row. That's never happened before. You know, so as much as I started saying, hey, Smith Najigba, he's there, you know, like, could you make a little trade up? Zay Flowers, do you really want to trade up for that? Um, I thought Smith Najigba was the only receiver in that group that you would trade up for. Everyone else probably not worth the extra capital to give up. But the second they all started coming off the board, you kind of had to say, hey, they're going to go corner or possibly trade down. And then you hear some things after that the team was actively trying to trade up. Uh, there's some dispute on who that was for. I'm not sure anyone really quite knows who they were trying to trade up for. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it could have even been Christian Gonzalez until he went to New England. I mean, that was a corner that really, I thought that was one of the bigger storylines of the first round. The fact that he went after Emmanuel Forbes, the fact that he was available late teens, right before that run on the receivers went, you know, maybe that was the guy that they were trying to trade up for until he came off the board. And then, you know, who knows? I mean, it's possible they were even trying to trade up for Deontay Banks because if you did have to pick one corner out of this group that fit with Wink Martindale and who kind of brings him his version 
of Marlon Humphrey, the corner from the Ravens, that really kind of blossomed under Martindale's uh, watch, you know, because he became the D coordinator in Humphrey's second season. It was Deontay Banks. So it's very possible they were trying to trade up for him. As you said, Shane admitted he was sweating that for a little bit, just seeing the corners go off the board, then all the receivers going off the board. So you try to speculate. I think we all agreed, guys, that the three of us said the one thing we can say, I told you so on, it was going to be a receiver or corner. And I think that's why he was sweating because right when Emmanuel Forbes went to Washington, it seemed like every single pick was a wide receiver or a corner. Yeah, it seemed like, you know, I was there, Dave, when he had his presser, you know, after the uh, first round yeah. pick and. And Joe admitted, he goes, you know, when the receivers started flying off the board, it got scary around here. Like, it, yeah. I forgot the exact words he used. It got tense or something like that he used. Yeah. Um, look, I, from what I'm here, look, there's nothing definite, okay? Right. But yep. it seemed like they had Zay Flowers in their sights, Dave, mm -hmm. okay? And Baltimore was not trading out. They wanted – Baltimore wanted Zay Flowers for Lamar in the worst way. Yep. Um, so it looked like there was a couple of guys that had the sights on. Zay was – Probably number one. They knew they weren't going to get JSN. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, that yeah. wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it came, when they were losing the receiver, the couple of guys they wanted in the receiver position, they they shifted. They needed that corner. They wanted that corner. And when they came up at twenty, when the Jackson came up at twenty four, Shane was was he he felt somebody was going to jump him and take okay. Banks. Okay. Um, it makes and, sense. And they weren't going to lose Banks. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they did the deal with Jacksonville um, and all that. And they wound up getting their guy. To, you know, they were really high in Banks, as you know, Dave. You know, um, yeah. Wink, Wink absolutely loved him. You know, mm -hmm. and I think we all saw that when they drafted Banks and Wink, you know, gave Joe that big hug. Like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. Dave, when it's, when that, Look, it was a funky draft. We kind of expected this, right, Dave? We just we didn't quite know what the hell was going to happen in this draft. And we'll talk about it a little bit. There's a couple of guys that went earlier than I thought. Kind of mm -hmm. threw a wrinkle in some things, right, Dave? And, um, yeah. And then when those receivers started flying off the board, it was like, oh, you know what I mean? Um, they they needed to get that corner they wanted, and they did. You know, yeah. they did. Uh, I, I think they went into this draft, Dave, knowing they weren't going to get Gonzalez. So if they really moved up, you know, mm -hmm. uh, look. The kid that kind of threw maybe a little bit of a wrinkle, Dave, is the kid that when we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is a kid I really loved, and I said he was skyrocketing, um, and that was Forbes, you know. Yeah. And we'll see how that works out, you know. Yep. But he winds up going high, you know, uh, and then Joe makes his ball. But but Dave, you gotta love in this draft. We'll talk about the whole draft soon, but you have to love the aggressiveness of Joe Shane, you mm -hmm. know, where he wants a guy and he's going to try to get him, you know. Yeah, and. When those receivers flew off the board, from what I understand, you know, Banks was in their sights. Banks was the guy they wanted to get, you know? And they did, Dave. So it's a credit to Joe, and we'll see how it all plays out in three years, but it's a credit to Joe and his staff that they were aggressive in getting him. Yeah, I mean, and last year, right, this was year one of this regime last year. And, you know, we remember they traded back a couple of times. They were accruing extra picks, yeah. and they just needed players in the building. They wanted their players in the building for the purpose of depth and special teams and trying to really start to build the foundation of this roster from the bottom up. Now that they know they are in contention, what does that even mean? They're a postseason team. They just won a playoff game, a road playoff game. They right. just put their feet in the, screwed their feet in the ground 
with Daniel Jones at quarterback and Dexter Lawrence at D-tackle. The foundation of this roster is here, right? It's from Dave Gettleman, but we're not allowed to say his name in a positive light, right? <laughs> Dave, hey, hey, look, hey, look, Dave, I, I say it. Yeah. I catch heat for it. And yeah. people come at me on Twitter, you're an idiot, you know, whatever the hell they say. <laughs> you know, oh, what about all the – but, hey, Dave, here's the – look, and Ryan Dunleavy, the New York Post, wrote an article on this, and he was catching heat. But the simple fact is there's a lot of Dave's picks that are getting yeah. second contracts now. And I'm not even. And, I'm, I'm not even going to sit here and def- it, we're just talking. It's not even opinion. These are facts. The these foundation. Are facts. Well, people don't want to deal in facts anymore, David. You know that facts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if facts get in the way of their agenda, then they don't right. want to hear it. That's well, the exactly. Way yes. Is. That's but exactly here's the simple right. fact: is that look, Dave did a lot of bad things, and that's why he's gone. Okay, yep. that's why he's not the general manager anymore. Right. You have to win in this league. You have to hire the right coaches. But simple fact is, we just talked about decks, and we're going to talk. And guess what? Another another one of Dave's guys is Xavier McKinney's going to get a second contract. But to get to and, the point, with that, those are facts. He built yep. you know a lot of foundation guys on his team are, are Gettleman's picks, and yep. you, you can't overlook the facts. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, you, like you said, you have McKinney, maybe you have Andrew Thomas coming up. Who knows what they do with Saquon? But it looks like they're trying to you know speculate. So right. you know, my point of that is, is even bringing that up, other right. than just ruffling some feathers, is. Uh, <laughs> It is the fact that last year's draft was very much about just building the depth, getting the second and third stringers and special teamers on this roster. And then this draft was obviously more about, hey, we are now in contention. We have our winner. We have our quarterback. We need to go get our guys, even if it costs us some extra draft capital. They, they made multiple trades on the first half of the draft to get their guys. And that is the sign of a team that has a plan. And that's what I like about the front office. We will see if they execute the plan correctly. We'll see if these players are the right guys. We don't know yet. We can't celebrate anything. They can't either. But the fact that last year was about building the roster from the bottom up, getting the trenches right, and now they're bringing in the, the, the playmakers, the explosive play guys, I just feel good about the overall direction of the front office because they set this plan out last year, yeah. and here we go. We're getting to see it in action now. Yeah, shameless plug, um, Dave. That was a point you made in your article this week in the Giant Sider newspaper. Yeah, um, nice job by you. Um, you know what I couldn't get over, um, and I still can't. And as we were preparing for the newspaper this week and all the articles everybody wrote, it, the fact that they got three guys over those first seventy-three picks mm. that were not only mocked to go in, the, you know, in the first round, but mocked in many cases to go to the Giants, right? Yeah, right. I said it to Chris last week, like, look, again, not picking on prior regimes, but you could see that the way it was falling, that whoever was the Giants GM before, whether it was Gettleman or Reese even, that they would take Hyatt in that spot and say, well, he was our one. You know, I was yeah. the guy we wanted all along. Kind of right. panicking, right? Right. But the way they did this, the way Shane did this, right, you wait till round two to get a guy who was really probably the, 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 the if there's a surefire starter, yeah. Out of these three, it's him, right? He's yeah, he's I, the I know safest Banks is starting one. And, right. I know Banks and Hyatt are probably, you know, Banks probably gonna start. But I'm just saying Schmitz is the starter at center, right? Yep. And then, get, and then to get Hyatt in the third and trading up and getting aggressive, yeah. I, I can't get over that still. Like yeah. like you said, it, it's they really chose quality over quantity. Right. And I think they got three starters over the first seventy three picks. And know what I also like, because, you know, Hyatt comes with his own questions, right? This is basically essentially a one-year guy, right? He's going to come into the NFL with one year of real production. Does that bother you? Yeah, there's no perfect prospect, and that's one, there are a few issues with him. But what I liked about them is Dable seems like he really is the one that engineered this trade. Um, there's cohesion. There's cohesion between the coach and the front office. And I will tell you this. 
That is not the case around the league in more play in more places than you think. There's a lot of egos in this business, Way right? More. Yeah. So it just seems like, and what I like what Dable said about Hyatt is even though he ran a very limited route tree, even though he almost always lined up in the slot, you know, they ran a lot of the routes that they want Hyatt to run in this offense. I'm, I don't think Hyatt's going to be a starter this year. He's going to play a lot, but he's not going to see the majority of snaps at receiver, at least right away. But because of what the tools that he has, the skills that he has, and what the Giants have elsewhere, he's going to be a weapon that not only can create big plays himself, but he's going to open things up for everybody else, including the running game, including Darren Waller, including Wandell Robinson once he comes back to the field. So, again, it's the plan. It's not just a well-graded wide receiver. It's a skill set that they did not have, they currently now have, and now it's going to be, yes, we need to develop the rest of the skill set. I mean, this dude is raw. I'm telling you, the amount of times that he had contested situations, the amount of times he was thrown the ball in his entire career at Tennessee equals essentially one season of Jordan Addison, one season of Zay Flowers, even one season of Quentin Johnston. There's a lot that you don't know about Hyatt yet. And do you trust this coaching staff to develop this unique skill set? I do. And I think that's why it's a good pick for the Giants. It would have not been a good pick for every other team. I think the Giants have the right system uh, in place. And this is going to give Daniel Jones an opportunity to actually throw the ball downfield, which we don't know what he can do yet on a consistent basis. Dave, you know, Jalen has that speed where even if he plays 21 snaps a game, 15 snaps, 28 snaps, whatever it might be, right, Dave? Mm-hmm. He has that speed that when he's on the field, you got to account for him, bro. Absolutely. you got to account for him. And like you said, Dave, you know, you, here's the thing with Brian Dave, Dave's, Brian Dable, okay? Um, his vision. Joe Shane is picking guys through his vision. Yeah. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And you talked about their relationship, and these two guys are very tight, Dave. Yeah. Came they from have Buffalo. a vision. They have yeah. a vision. Yeah. You know? Um, and what Joe Shane does, he tries to get developed players, draft players, undrafted. We'll talk about undrafted free agents coming up in a little bit. Yep. Through Dave's vision. Yep. And what you're seeing, folks, with this Giants football team is Dable's vision. And what do you mean by that, Chris? Well, what he wants to do. And and you and you and if anybody thinks that, hey, you know, every GM does that for their coach. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Well, here's a news flash. Um, and Dave, you just talked about how many GMs and coaches are not on the same page in this league. Yep. Probably more than half, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. A lot of them. I don't know. I, I hate to give a number, but a lot of them all. Let's just put it yeah. safely. More than you think. Look, we just came off of one. Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman weren't even speaking to each other. Yeah. I know that for a fact. They weren't yeah. even speaking to each other half the yep. last year. They weren't mm-hmm. even on the same terms. They hated each other. I, mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. They didn't hate each other. They just were not on the same page. They weren't even speaking to each other. Okay? Right. Yeah. So that's how important this is. So Jalen Hyatt is a guy that, you know, Dable, like you just said, Dave, Dable, <clears throat> Texas, Sean McVay, hey, we want to talk trade here. We want to move up. You know, Dable even admits he, you know, he doesn't even know how to text. You know, he had guys yeah. text a form, but he got it done. It was pretty funny. It was a good story, um, which is which is pretty true about Dave's, by the way. He he hates the text. He FaceTimes everybody. Yeah, yeah right. Instead of text. He's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, but he got it done, and he sees this guy, you know, like you said, Dave, I hate the, I hate the pin limited route tree on some guys when they come out. Mm-hmm. Because of what they they were asked to do in college, right? Okay, I remember talking to Darius Slayton about this when he came out of Auburn. Hey, Darius, did it bother you? Know, does it bother you? Kind of label, or, and he goes, 
I was asked to run three routes in Auburn. <laughs> you know? He goes, right. it wasn't a complicated offense. You know, and here's the thing, Dave. And you could see with Jalen, because we were with him the other day, the rookie camping. And the question was asked him about his It irks him. You could tell. It irks him. Yeah. And he wants to show. He took the high road with his answer. You know, he was just like, you know, oh, I'm here now. We're gonna... But you could see he wants to show what he could do. And um, I think the ceiling's very high with this young man, Dave. Yeah. I mean, I, hey, a lot of the draft process, the scouting process, there's speculation everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's two sides to the Jalen Hyatt route tree. There's two sides. I mean, same thing with Cedric Tillman, by the way, you know, mm-hmm. where they just lined up in one spot and did one of three things. There wasn't a lot of mental decision-making that they had to do. And this is why, you know, we, we see wide receivers that come in out of college. They can't get on the field right away for that reason. But that does not necessarily mean the same thing will happen with Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman in, in Cleveland. Uh, and that's why the meetings and the 30 visits and the combine interviews, that's why those are so important. I actually think at the combine, those are more important than the workouts, right? You, you know, I do, the workouts do mean something. They obviously mean something. That's why they still run them. Um, but the, the the biggest thing that I think they need to know about Jalen Hyatt is, you know, how much can they throw at him right away? And are they going to throw are they going to throw everything at him right away? Or are we going to kind of limit his snaps early on and let kind of ease him into the situation? Hey, we can play professional football with these guys on the field. If Jalen Hyatt's not ready. And you know what? If Jalen Hyatt blows it up and he's ready week one, goodbye, Jamison Crowder. You know, thank you for your service. Well, you know, good luck to you the rest of your career. And that that's why, again, it's all part of the plan. It wasn't that they just threw a bunch of receivers and they're hoping to find one. I think they knew they're gonna come to this draft and go after Hyatt. And that's why they made those signings. Based on on what Hyatt brings to the table, Dave, do you think he was worth trading up a fourth to get him? Yeah. I thought the Hyatt pick was the best value pick that they had in, in uh, of those first three picks. I mean, Banks right where he should have been, right end of the first round. Schmidt's day two, right. Uh, but Hyatt had a credible second round grade, and they got him in round three. And I believe he would have not been there. I think Cleveland was going to take him right after, and then they actually went with his teammate Cedric Tillman the, right, the pick immediately after. Yeah, right. um, so value wise, no question. And was it worth the trade? No question. Uh, because you weren't going to, at that point of the draft, with some of the other names off the board at receiver, you were not going to get that skill set. You could have found that speed elsewhere, but what Hyatt does really well that a lot of most speed guys don't do well is track the ball. And it sounds like a simple thing, but if you guys remember back to Tim Carter, right, wide receiver they drafted in the middle rounds years ago, he made a couple second, of big second, plays. Second round. Yeah. Was he an Auburn guy too, I believe? Yep. Yep. And he uh, made a couple of big plays, earned his career, blazing speed all you heard about was speed 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 uh but one thing he just he started dropping those balls down the field i remember the one game they were wearing the red uniforms against philadelphia at home and uh that was one of those really big drops that's more common than you think with these vertical threats they don't track the ball with full body control and bounce that is the standout trait to hyatt's game is he can run at that sub four four speed and he doesn't lose any juice when he tracks the ball so that's why it's a it's a special. I compared him to Will Fuller in a lot of ways, um, and that kind of impact that Will, Will Fuller had on the Texans. Remember, he was number one in the NFL in 2018 in yards per target, and then uh, number three in the NFL in 2020. It was just the injuries that caught up to him. So that's the kind, and that's when the Texans were winning ball games. Deshaun Watson really elevated 
was when he it was Will Fuller. It wasn't Hopkins that turned things around. It was Will Fuller. That's the kind of impact Hyatt can have on this offense. Funny you said real quick, Chris. Funny you said that about Carter because when you saw him run, you're like, how the hell? Why wasn't this guy a first round pick? And yeah. then he showed you pretty quickly. Yeah, the ball skills. His biggest play was recovering a fumble in the yeah. end zone against <laughs> the Eagles. That was his biggest play as a giant. Yep. Dave, we, you know we got a guy in the roster right now that has problems tracking verticals. Darius yep. Slate, he'll drop yep. easy balls on verticals. Yeah. You know, no, we've that's... seen it. We saw it against Washington. There's probably a few other ones I, I'm forgetting, but Darius at times. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you watch Jay, like you just said, Dave. You you look at Jalen Hyatt. And he seems to do it at ease, bro. He it's seems nat- to track balls naturally. You know, one thing I look for in scouting is, and the more you watch, the more you can find this. Who makes it look easy? It's not easy. No matter, what you're, no, no matter what you're doing on the football field, it's not easy. Just trust me. So if, there, if you watch a guy run a 4-3-5-40 and it looks like he's not even trying, make a note of it. If you watch a guy track a deep ball without losing balance and it looks easy, make note of it. Because that, that stuff is not easy. And, and Hyatt, he makes the – Tracking that uh, downfield pass looked very easy. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. We're already 20 minutes in, believe it or not. Um, we're going to take a break and be right back after this with the Giant Insider Podcast. Hang on one second. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And we're back, folks. You're listening to the Giant Insider Podcast with Chris. Nobody beats the biz, Bizig Nano, Jerry Foley, and our guest, our lads, Dave Syverson. Go ahead, Chris. Dave, were you surprised Schmitz dropped the 57? No. Uh, I thought all the centers would be day two and I was surprised Tittman went before him, but I'm not sure the Jets are going to view him as a center only. I think they're, they brought him in for the fact that he probably is the one guy out of the top four or five that projects to both guard and center. So I think that's why the Jets took him over Schmitz. So Schmitz to me is like the first pure center that right. went in the draft. Um, there were a few questionable decisions at center in the draft. This one was kind of like right where you thought it would be. Uh, I, I did not think he was around one option for anybody, including the Giants, even though they had the need there. I just didn't think he was a first-round caliber player. But it's, it's funny, though. Out of those first three picks, Banks, Schmitz, and Hyatt, Schmitz, you feel the safest with. You know, you, know, I mean, you, you also know he's not going to have the ceiling the other two guys have. Right. But you just know that the Giants have their center for the next five years. He'll be, he'll be better than Weston Richburg. Maybe he'll be a Sean O'Hara type, right? Like I think that's where he could get to. Um, do I have a couple of concerns about him? I, I do, but I will say this about the offensive line as a, as a unit, right? If they can have these two guys on the end, Thomas and Neil, hopefully Neil takes a step up and Schmitz is there for the next three to four years. The entire offensive line will be better the, the, every year too. This line will get better next year, the year after the year after, if the three of these guys are in that picture, that's why it's important 
to have that guy in the middle, the one that is really the quarterback of the unit, the shot caller, the communicator. And those are the things that Schmidt says at a really high level. That's why you feel safe with them. And if he does just pan out just to be good enough, this entire offensive line, I'm telling you right now, I don't know who the guards are going to be long-term. Hopefully one of them is Ezidu. But this entire group will be better because of the cohesion and chemistry that you get from that year-after-year football. Dave, why didn't you have a first-round grade? What 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 are some of the concerns? I don't know concerns, but what are some of the – I guess so. What are some of the concerns you have with them? One of them is not fair. One of them is just the position value. Like, it's just hard to sell center in the first round. And I'm not – you know, I'm not – too strong with that statement. Like I think Bijan and Jameer Gibbs, I'm fine with where they went in the draft, right? I'm not anti running back in the first round. Like some are, I'm not anti center in the first round. Uh, but if you are going to be a center and you are going to get drafted in the first round, you have to be special. And athletically, he just has a pretty significant cap on what he can do with lateral movement. I mean, I went back and even watched some of his tape after the draft, just so I can kind of like, you know, whenever I write and talk about these guys, it just always helps me to watch them again. And you could see it all the time. He, the, the balance of the body control is not always there. You know, you see those numbers. You see that face mask, uh, face mask face on the ground. A lot of times that just comes from he's not a great athlete. The number, his workout numbers back that up. He's not a great athlete. Um, but he is smart. He is savvy. He's great with his hands. His footwork, his techniques are all very good. And that's why he's fine. And I think the center job, more than the physical, it's more important what they have between the ears. You know, how, how good they are at recognizing what the defenses are going to put in front of them so they can communicate to the quarterback, communicate to the rest of the offensive line. That's where I think Schmitz is going to be a star. And uh, But is he athletically good enough to handle everything the NFL is putting inside? You know, I, I'm a little little hesitant to check that box. Well, he's going to get a chance to prove himself quickly in this division, right? I mean, with yep. those defensive tackles that he's going to go up against, oh, my God. Um, in practice. In practice. practice yeah. too, right? Yeah, <laughs> forget about that. that. He'll, be, he'll be doing it right off the bat in training camp. Yeah, but you're right, Jerry. I mean, I would say the NFC East, there is not a better group of defensive tackles uh, division-wise than the NFC East. Yeah. Um, so before we go on to the later picks, is there any, anything else you want to cover on the first three, Dave? I don't want to skip over anything, and, and maybe Chris has more questions about him. But um, we're 25 minutes in already, and every yeah. time we do this, it's, it, it, time flies, man. I just want to make sure we, we cover everything. No, I, I, com- I completely understand. I mean, I do think we covered everything. The, the one last thing I guess we can close with is they went after, especially with the first and third, the Banks and Hyatt, a team that really needed more explosive plays and needed to start preventing explosive plays because of the way Martindale wants to play defense. Uh, they went after tools. Over experience. They went over tools, uh, you know, the tools over experience and career production. Because Hyatt did, you know, he won the Bletnikoff. Like, he, he was productive enough, right? But over the course of a career and the amount of starts that he has under his belt, they took some risks there. And that is something that's always interesting to track. You can't really see if it's success or not, uh, a success or not until two, three years from now at the earliest. Uh, but that was just something that I'm walking away from. You know, as I start to kind of refine my scouting processes, you know, the tools are going to be very important with this front office moving forward. And I think if a guy falls below minimums, they won't look at him. And and what's funny is I was stunned when I looked at, at Hyatt's college career. It was like 200 yards, 200 yards, 1,200 yards. So the jump from you right. know, two to three was crazy. And even Banks, like Shane pointed out, like kudos to the, the giant scouts for finding, kind of knowing about him you know, last year, because he didn't really play much in 2021. Yep, and shoulder. And they had their eye on him in August. So yep. you're right. They, it, it's a good point about taking the, the skill set at those those positions. Absolutely, you're right. 
Dave, before we get some of these later picks, is is Deontay Banks a starter opposite of Dory Dane one? I don't think so. I think he'll play, though. I think he's going to play 20 to 30 snaps a game early on. And I hate keep bringing him up. But I just I always look for historic trends with certain coaches. And what Marlon Humphrey did his rookie year was he was a heavy rotational guy. I mean, he played 25 snaps a game, maybe a nickel, you know, maybe on nickel packages. He goes outside. Someone else, else goes on the inside. They'll figure that out personnel-wise. Uh, but then he did start the last four games of the year. So I believe Banks will be starting by Thanksgiving, Christmas, somewhere in that window. And if they make the postseason, he'll be one of their top two. The difference is Baltimore back then, New York right now, they had a lot of – they had talent at corner. Giants are a little little iffy there right now. And, you know, I do believe that spot will be between Banks – Aaron Robinson, uh, the kid they signed from Detroit. Um, they'll probably even th- – yeah. Flot. No, no, Flot. Absolutely. I always forget him. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be forgetting him. I think those guys are going to have the inside track at that starting outside job. Uh, but, again, nickel packages are played more commonly <laughs> than, that, than the three linebacker. So, like, really, the nickel is the starting defense. So, really you know, do, yeah. So, you, do you want to put Flot inside? You know, do you compete Flot and Holmes at nickel and – those other guys battle it on the outside. We'll see. You know, um, it looks like they used flop more outside than inside last year, which surprised me a little bit. But um, so if I had my guess, it's going to be Holmes for another season in the nickel. And then between flop, Rodarius Williams, Aaron Robinson, and the kid they signed from Detroit uh, for that outside corner spot. And Banks will be in the rotation and he'll be the starter by the end of the year. Don't forget the Duke kid, too, Lenny Johnson, the kid they tried to do a three-year deal. Another kid's going to be in there competing. I'm going to make a prediction right now, fellas. Uh, Donnie Holmes gets it in August. Doesn't make the squad. Um, okay. I'm not, cra- I, not crazy about him at all, Dave. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, what I, we think – You know, they, they added some depth to this position a little bit now. And Flott's second year, and there's some of these yeah. other guys. I'm just saying that. But, Dave, look, so I'm on I'm on the sideline um, Friday, the minicamp. Yep. I'm looking at Eric Gray. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth round pick and dude. I know I know what you're gonna say, right? I put it on Twitter. I was like, holy shit. I was like, this dude's got like Saquon type tree trunk legs, man. I couldn't believe it. Talk he's about him a little bit. I was look, Dave, I know it's just mini camp and he's running some routes, you know, and they're not doing much, dude, you know. Do some indies, you know, do some indie drills and all that stuff, Dave. But um he's not a big boy. I'm talking tall wise, he's only like five eight, whatever he is. But, dude, this dude is built like a fire hydrant. I mean, he looked like – I mean, his legs were very impressive. I hate to sound like a fawning here, but uh, he was. <laughs> Talk about him, Dave. Uh, I think this is something <laughs> that's going to open some eyes in training camp. Somebody hey, that's going to open eyes. I'll tell you what, the scouting process, you, you don't sound anything, uh, Chris, because the first thing I write about when I first start a scouting player, especially if I get an in-person look at him, is body type. You, you have to, you write down things about their ankles, their hips, their butt, their, you know, the how, uh, and he's got a unique body type, right? Um, you see this right away. And this is, you can see this on TV. I mean, be in person. His lower body is a running back's lower body. Oh, absolutely. Thick thighs, thick oh. butt, big calves, everything. Yep. yep. Um, but he actually is a small person. Like his wingspan was uh, 71 inches, just over 71 inches. Of all the running backs at the combine, there was only two or three guys smaller than that. It's Deuce Vaughn, Keaton Mitchell, and those guys are like five foot six, five foot seven. So he has like he's very bottom heavy, right? Okay. Like he he weighs two hundred seven, but he looks like someone that weighs two twenty. 
you just don't see the lack of upper body mass because of the shoulder pads, the jersey, and right. you know everything below the waist. You see, especially these guys with some of the shorts they wear. Like, holy cow! Look, look at the size of those quads. And you know that I like that. That is like my prototype running back. Right. Is that they're small and shifty enough to get in and out of traffic, but they're strong, stable, uh, and mobile and explosive beneath the waist. He is a really sudden mover. And the second he makes a decision on where to go, when he puts his foot in the ground and he tries to burst out of it, he can explode. He's not the fastest the open field runner, but what would you rather have? You know, I'd rather have this kind of quick, short area, phone booth mover than someone that can run away from guys in the open field because you just don't get that many looks uh, at, at that opportunity at the next level. Dave, it's just, one second, Jerry, just to finish yeah. great. Um, it's pretty interesting you say that because, you know, I'm, I like look of stuff like that. Like he's yeah. running a few routes in the mini camp. Yep. Like you just said, Dave, like he was running a few like angle routes. You know, he's putting his foot in the ground, boom. Uh, or what might be a choice route, you know, whatever, in, 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 a, in a game. And exactly what you just said, Dave, is what caught my eye a little bit. It's like he makes, he puts his foot in the ground, Dave, and he makes that cut on a route, and boom, you know, yeah. he's like gone. You know what I mean? And, and was it the most precise routes I saw coming out of the backfield the other day? Maybe not. But I tell you what, man, and David was working with him a few times. Like, Dave's wanted to sharpen up his routes a few bits. One time he actually grabbed him on the side, and you could tell, like, Dave, Dave was pointing. You could tell they were talking about a route, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And he's a college. Look, you know, they got to sharpen this, right? They got to sharpen up some stuff. And all. Nobody's, you know, you know, the kid's coming out of college, and they're going to have to sharpen something. But I tell you what, Dave, exactly what his scouting report, exactly what you talked about, um, He's a type of kid. He puts that foot in the ground and boom, boom, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what that's what impressed me of the limited, you know, uh, plays that uh, limited stuff that he was doing the other day in camp. And, yeah. And like you said, he is bottom heavy. And and people, when you see this guy in training camp, you're gonna know what the hell me and Dave are talking about. Yeah. Because he's got like Saquon bottom heavy man, and yeah, uh, it was pretty impressive. He's gonna he's gonna look like you know Saquon brought his little brother to training camp. That's, like, that's, what, it, that's what it's gonna look like. That's what know? it's gonna look like. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know Saquon's built a little bit more up top. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously Dave, I'm next to Saquon a lot in lock. Yeah. You know, I, I see yeah. him. Um, this kid isn't as built like Saquon upper half, but yeah. lower half. He's got <laughs> Saquon's got nothing on him lower half. Yeah. I tell you that, man. And I'll tell you what I think Eric Ray right now is, is the second best running back on this team. I don't think he's going to be second string right away. Um, rookie running backs sometimes in this kind of situation have a hard time getting onto the field. They have to prove they can pass protect. And but I'll tell you what, his ball security and his lack of drops in the passing game, there isn't much he can't do. This he's a complete back, and because and that's why I say. I think he's the second best back. Now, Gary Brightwell will not go down without a fight. Brita is more of an accessory, specific package type back, right? Yeah. I think by the end of the year, the Giants are going to have a fourth-round rookie as the number two back on this team, you know, all things considered with injuries and whatnot. If these guys all stay healthy, mm-hmm. and that's – I mean, this is one of my favorite picks. If I had to say, like, what's your favorite pick of the draft, this is it. Just because I think you got someone day three that, hey, we don't know what's going to happen with Barkley contract-wise. I want him to stay. I would love them to lock him up, but economics are a part of this. And if they don't, Gray is the guy that I will go into next offseason saying he's the number one back. I think Dafker and and Dave's are salivating over his hands, Dave, what they feel they could do with him out of the backfield. I really do, man. Yeah, because and you know what, Dave? You watch Eric Gray a little bit on film, and you you watch way more than me on these kids. 
You know what? He's no he's no tomato and pass pro either, bro. He's tough, dude. He's tough. I, he, I saw that in Oklahoma watching him a few times. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, whoa, this kid, you know, this kid's this kid's sticking his you know, he's he's getting upright. He's you know, he's not just giving the old you know, well, you know, pass pro. He's out there. He to me that was pretty impressive too. Am I wrong with that, Dave? No, he he can stick the he can pop guys. His issue is he just has, doesn't have length. His his arms measure in under thirty inches. Right. And it ju- it's just really hard. But again, running back blocking is different than offensive tackle blocking. You don't really have the opportunity to lock a guy out. You know, it's really all about that initial contact and then just simply staying in front of the man. And a lot of running back blocking comes from one thing and one thing only: your toughness. There is some technique, but you got to stick your hat in against you. Have, you're you're just waiting for a 245 pound mm-hmm. linebacker with a 10 yard head start to come run into you. Certain guys, I mean. I even think Barkley falls short here sometimes, right? Absolutely but, does. And, Absolutely does. And Gray, Gray has the toughness factor to him. Can he get enough out of that lack of length to just sustain a block a little bit longer? And if he does, he will see the field. Dave, uh, one second, Jerry, and I'll let you jump in, buddy. I'm sorry. Um, Dave, I said it a million times on Twitter. Um, to me, pass pro, running back, attitude. The want yeah. to do it. The want yeah. to do it. It might not be perfect technique-wise. And I haven't seen Zeke Elliott at times be that, not so much technique-wise, but, dude, he'll stick his head in there, Zeke, and he'll pass for for Dak. Yeah. Now, is it technique-wise fundamentally sound? No. Yeah, like, Dave, we talk, I talked about a million times, and it's all about attitude and pass pro running backs, man. You, you, you might not be fundamentally sound, but, dude, you stick your head in there, you get your shoulders up, you know, all that, you get the quarterback an extra few seconds. Yeah, and you're watching our football. You see some guys have it, some guys don't. Absolutely. And, hey – I don't know if I can do it. That's, I don't want to come across critical in that way, but it's, you know, pass protection with running backs. It doesn't need to be a long time. Remember, by the time you actually come in contact with a blitzing linebacker or a corner defensive back or a backside pass rusher, right, you just need to hold them for a second or two, right? And a lot of that can be – you can solve that issue with just one clean hit, but the, the clean hit's got to have a lot of power behind it. Eric Ray will have no issue there. All right, so you talked about before where you're looking at um, the interviews and, and how important they are, and almost sometimes they're, 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 they're more important than the, um, than the pro days and the combine, right? Now, a guy, Trey yeah. Hawkins, who blew up his pro day, if he doesn't have that right. pro day, is he a draft pick? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I, most, most people that I talk to, you know, because whenever I have a guy undrafted grade on someone and he goes, you know, anywhere earlier than the seventh, because seventh round is just kind of like, you know, those guys are all mashed together with the top 100 undrafted free agents. But I texted a guy and he said, no, like the, if he did not have that workout, he would have not have been drafted. Right. Um, he had one good year of football. And when you are going into late in the draft, I hate saying this because I don't want to take any uh, thunder away from scouts and GMs, but it is kind of a shot in the dark. And I and the only reason I say that is just go look at the names. I have a list of every sixth and seventh round pick from the past 10 years. You know, I would say 15% of them made it. So just based on that fact alone, it's, it's a shot in the dark. And what are you gambling? And this is fun to watch and track what certain GMs will do. Some will look at tools with good enough tape and say, hey, we're going to try to develop that. Because if we can get something out of him that he didn't get out of Old Dominion, no disrespect to the program, but he's about to have a lot better nutrition, weight training, conditioning, coaching, <laughs> right? Um, and then other teams will go after production. 
they'll say, hey, this guy proved that he could do something at a high level of football. Let's see if we can find a niche for him. But no matter what, if you're a late-round pick, you need to, in most cases, bring value on special teams, especially when you're playing corner, linebacker, safety, receiver, running back, tight end, right? The skill positions. And Hawkins, that will probably be his route to the uh, to the Giants 53-man roster. He's going to have to prove. And he's got that traditional corner and mentality, too, for to be a really good gunner. And that's something, you know, sometimes when we're at training camp, it's not the, mo- the best thing to watch in the world, the, the special teams work. But this is a kid to watch to see if he can kind of get down the field because he's got the mentality. We just got done talking about Eric Gray and mentality of blocking. To play special teams at a high level, you have to have a couple screws loose, you know. <laughs> and this kid, when he plays football, when you watch him support the run as a corner, he's got it. There's one interesting thing about this. I'm speculating. Jerry, uh, Chris, maybe you could tell me where he was playing. They introduced him as defensive back, not corner. Yeah. And yeah. My, my, my initial notes on him were safety. You know, that he'll he's be – He's a big boy, Dave. He's a big he, boy. Yeah, he's a little lean. But, you know, again, yeah. you, go from old, you go from old dominion to the NFL, you give him a year in the weight room, in your cafeteria, your nutrition program. Yeah. That can, and his frame, I would think he could be 200 pounds in a hurry, you know, oh, before, absolutely. before next year. Dave, absolutely. He's – Look, the thing that impressed me about him, Dave, and I even asked him about his skill set, you know, with Wink and all that stuff. He's a big boy, man. I mean, I was standing yeah. next to him the other day. He's six. He's listed as six three, and it's not one of those. Well, they list him as six three, but he's really six one. You know, yeah, no, he's six right. three, Dave. He's right. six three because right. I'm six two, and he, and he was, you know, hovering a little bit over me, and yeah. I was like, whoa, you know, I was like, so he's a big boy, um, like you said, kind of a lean frame for six three kid, but like you also said. Now he's now he's with the big boys, right. nutrition wise, you know, and like and like you said a little while ago, David. I don't want to. I'm not knocking Old Dominion, but it's not the same as the New York Giants. Sorry, right. that's right. the fact. That's the reality, you know. So, uh, but hey, an interesting prospect, dude. He's a big boy, and we'll see what he could do. He, you know, he prides him. He's another kid who told me, you know, he actually told me he prides himself in playing man press. He thinks he could, you know, he thinks he could fit with wing system. Well, we'll see. You know, that's what. The, but Dave, I guess the last two, the seven round picks, you know, tells. Jordan Riley, Javarius Owens, um, you know, what do you have on them? Um, talk about, you know, talk about Oregon and a Houston kid. So at least Jordan Riley is an Oregon kid. What do you Hey, Dave, one second. Before you get into that, guys, we're going to take one more break. We'll be right back after this. You listen to the Giant Insider Podcast. Hang on. And we're back, folks. You listen to the Giant Insider Podcast with Chris. Nobody beats the biz, Busy Manor, Jerry Foley, and our lads, Dave Syverson. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry about that. Yeah, so, so Jordan Raleigh from Oregon, he bounced around. Um, he was at North Carolina, Nebraska, Garden City, Community College. No character issues, so don't let your, your mind wander there. Sometimes when I see that, I immediately go to, this kid's uh, not coachable. Just had a lot of coaching changes throughout his career. Um, had a knee injury. So what you like about him, and again, what I think the Giants really were thinking here, they just wanted more size up front. You know, they, they ran into this issue last year, and this is partially why they struggled against the run so much last year. They just didn't have the bodies behind Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence that at, could, at the very least could at least just maintain two-gap play, right? And, you know, we saw them overplay Lawrence for a little bit. They saw them overplay Leonard Williams, who started to break down towards the end of the year. And if you had to pick a specific situation to get those two off the field to give them a break, it's in the run game because you want them rushing the passer. You know, so if you can just get them a play here, a play there, short running situations or likely running situations, 
Riley kind of fits that mold. And remember, they get DJ Davidson back, who tore his ACL last year, who, in my opinion, flashed a little bit as a run defender. They signed Ashawn Robinson right before the draft. They bring in Nunez Rochez from Tampa Bay. These guys are all run defenders. And what Riley does at a high level, other than the fact that he's just massive, 6'5", 338. Yeah, he is massive, man. He's wide. <laughs> he, can, he can bend decent, right? I mean, he can bend at the knee, and he's got a great lockout game. You saw that at all stops of his career. He's just a, not a good athlete. He's not going to rush the passer other than maybe develop some bull rush techniques. But, you know, for, for where they got him in the draft and what they were trying to do this to this defensive front, it made sense. I didn't undraft a grade on him, but at this point, who cares? That just doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you'll give, you'll give 140 guys six, seventh-round grades throughout the process. Like, only 70 of them are getting drafted. So it's just based on what the teams want, what they need. Um, Owens. Uh, it seemed like you you liked him better than the other late round picks based on I did. your analysis. Yep. I, I have a feel of Dave likes him like you like Darian Beavers. That, yeah, that was my that was my take there. That's a good feel because what I liked about Beavers and what I liked about Owens, I think he's pro ready. Uh, he is going to be a special teamer early on. The safety group is, I, I wouldn't call it a crowded room because I think some of the guys there should not feel overly safe. They're going to have to perform well in preseason to really kind of get their their foot in the ground there. But Owens. You know, former receiver that you notice right away when you watch Houston. There isn't a lot of pro talent on Houston's defense. There's probably two or three guys that are ever going to touch the league. So he stood out. And it's the ball skills. It's the body type. It's the, the ability to click and close. Like, he can he can pursue laterally. You know, he gets a little bit of trouble with missed tackles here and there. But, you know, he just has that feel that, you know, at the very least, he's going to be a quality backup, good special teamer, and he can make plays on the ball. This defense needs to find a way to find uh, to get more turnovers out of themselves. And Owens kind of brings that kind of ethos, that kind of feel to the defense. You're talking about um, the, the safety group being crowded. We were just talking about wide receiver being crowded as well, but there's still a lot of like question marks, right? And it feels the yeah. same way with safety. Like there's a lot of names, but you don't know who's going to emerge from it. So go ahead, Chris. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, that'll that'll be sorted out in training camp, you know. And so, Dave, let's jump into. Are we done with the draft picks, Jerry? Are you anything else you want to ask? I'm, no, I'm I'm pretty satisfied. Okay, yeah. so Dave, let's jump into the undrafted free agents who were all there at the mini camp the other day. Um, the one intriguing kid that everybody's talking about is the long snapper. Cam- no, um, <laughs> is, is the wide is the wide receiver <clears throat> Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia. I was next to him the other day. Big boy, Dave. Big boy. Um, uh, talk about him because, you know, a lot of people feel he's one of those kids, Dave, that went undrafted but could have been a seventh or even a sixth for my red ones round draft pick. How did you grade him out? And, and should he have been an undrafted? Or were you surprised he wasn't drafted? I was surprised he wasn't drafted because of the, the combination of tools. I had a sixth, seventh round grade on him. So, like I said earlier, that could you know easily end up in the undrafted phase of the period because there's so many of those guys. Um, but I, I will say for a guy that you, you initially look at him and you say, okay, tall possession re- receiver, can't get out of breaks. He's probably you know a monster in contested situations. This guy can move. This guy can jump. This guy has got better agility than you think. The amount of times that I watched Western Virginia kind of give him that back shoulder fade pass, I mean, that is a skill that some receivers really specialize in. It takes a lot of fancy, efficient, balanced footwork to be a receiver on that kind of play and come down with the ball. It's hard. It's hard to twist and turn your body right. with a receiver draped all over you. Uh, a, a, a quote I have on him from a scout um, sums him up perfectly. 
on one play or one drive, he looks like Calvin Johnson. On the next play, it belongs, he looks like he sh- does not belong in the league. You know, and okay. he really does have a really wide spectrum. So the positive is this. There's something there. There's no denying it. There's something there that I'm looking at this wide receiver room right now. If you want to talk about upside, talent, tools, what he can be, right. there's might be two or three receivers on this team that can match what he can do. Right? The right. problem is, in the NFL, you don't get a lot of looks when you're on the back end of a receiver depth chart. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to maximize every little opportunity he gets in training camp, in preseason games. And is there a concentration issue there? Is there a coachability issue there? Is there a confidence issue there? Will he blossom now that he's in a real offense, NFL-style offense, not in what West Virginia, West Virginia was doing? Um, everything, that he, everything that he can offer, very few t- uh, guys on this team can. And I think that's what's going to give him an outside shot at breaking through this pretty crowded wide receiving group. I mean, what's going to happen with Colin Johnson? I don't know. But right now, that guy's been in the league for a few years now, and you kind of know what he is. If, if Bryce Ford Wheaton can kind of pick up some of the playbook early on and show that he can do it, I think he's going to leapfrog him. Whether that makes the roster or not, I'm not sure. Uh, but he also has some influence as a special teams gunner. Physical dude, mm-hmm. can obviously get down the field in a hurry. He runs a sub 4-4. And he's got the mentality as well. So I think that's going to be one thing, again, to watch in training camp. Does he get looks there? And if he does and he does a good job, that's going to be a much easier route for him to make the roster. Dave, when you said about one play, you know, from a scout, you said one play looks like Calvin Johnson. Next play, he, you know, doesn't look like he belongs in, you know, on the field. To me, that screams concentration issue. Is that is that something that you have heard through around the league circles? You, you're, you're in touch with this way more than me. As far as the scouting stuff, is that something you have heard as far as, hey, the kid takes plays off or whatever it might be? I haven't heard a thing about coachability. I haven't heard anything No, no, about- no, no. Yep, no. How about concentration level-wise? Yeah. Yes. Concentration, ball skills, yes. That the inconsistencies gotcha. come from a lot. La- now, is that – I don't want to label it a, uh, a character thing or an intelligence thing. It's just, you know, it's like Jalen Hyatt. He's a natural. He makes it look easy. This guy does not make it look easy. A lot of double catches, a lot of fumbles. That was, that was my next question to you. So go ahead. Yeah. 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 A lot a lot of balls where, like, I call them double taps, right, where it's not a clean vacuum into a hands. It's kind of like a double catch. We see this with Darius Slayton sometimes. He, you know, it looks like a catch in the box score, but this is why you have to watch, you know, the tape. You know, there's a lot of those just not clean catches. We saw that with Quentin Johnson sometimes at TCU. Um, that can be developed. I'm telling you, we see guys in the, in the league, their ball skills do develop. They get better, but they have to apply themselves and really work hard at it. Of the, of the remaining undrafted free agents, um, yeah. the one that Chris was getting notifications on was, I think, Baldonado. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, does he jump out at you as someone that maybe could have been drafted or has a good shot at maybe making this team, especially since you know they just re-signed O'Shane Zimenez? And, and I, I believe they did that because they didn't, you know, they didn't take an edge rusher in the draft, right? So it was like, all right, we'll re-sign Zimenez, see what we have here again. And is, is this a kid that could challenge there? I do think he can challenge there. Um, preseason, I had him kind of like early day three stack without watching a ton of tapes. Just like, you know, you kind of get an initial feel watching last year's tape over the summer. Like, I'll be doing that for next year's class soon. And, yeah, had a day three feel on him. Watched him a lot in 2022, and everything I have is just like average, like average burst, average power, average bend. Um, does play hard, does pursue hard, so that's going to help him a little bit. Um, also, just, you know, lack of discipline. 
when it comes to setting the edge as a run defender, controlling his gap, staying home on counters and reverses. Like he's the kind of guy, here's an example of always getting sucked in by play action to the other side. He goes after him, bootleg to the other side, like what Daniel Jones took advantage of, of defenses last year. It happens in the NFL, but there's some mental discipline issues that I feel um, kind of just add to the fact that he's just average everywhere else. But because this Giants defense did not any, add anything on the edge, they didn't add anything in the pass rush department, period, right? That was one thing I thought they left on the table. You can't, you can't solve every issue in the draft, I know. Uh, but because of that and because they signed Ximenez after the draft, which tells me they were going to look edge at some point in the draft, the yeah. value just did, it just didn't match up. And they didn't reach for it, right, which is fine, a smart move. Yeah. But this is still an issue to me, and it, it, it's two things, right? You need depth on the outside. You need to have more than two guys. And one of those guys, in my opinion, is, is an injury issue in Ojolari. Yeah. He, had, he had the knee issue out of Georgia. He missed a ton of games last year, soft tissue. This is what happens post-joint injury, right? The soft tissue around it can, can have a hard time really catching up. And so if he goes down again or if Thibodeau goes down again, who's stepping in? You know, and I know Wink Martindale can scheme pressure, but I'm telling you, you know, this is going to be an issue for this team if guys start to go down. They don't you have see, depth. You also see that with putting on muscle too, no? Like when guys yeah, put on muscle, it just seems like it always happens. Absolutely. I mean, last year. Yeah. yeah, we could go down that rabbit hole another time maybe, but, you know, the amount of training these guys do year in, year out, I think that's why you see more injuries now than they used to. Call, call, Dave. Carl Banks specifically told me that. Yeah. He says they're training 12 months a year. He no goes, half season. of the training isn't football related. Yeah, right. He goes, it's not good for you in this sport. He yep. says, that's why you see all these quads and hamstrings and all this yep. stuff that's going on. Yep. Um, Dave, the Bryce Ford Wheaton to me smells like practice squad. Let Mike Will work with him for a year and all that stuff. That's what he screams like to me. You know, I don't think he hit. I, honestly, Dave, I don't think he has a sh- chance of making 50. To 53. He seems mm-hmm. like a kid you throw on a practice squad and we'll see what happens during the season and all that injury wise, you know, and then you let him develop, you know. Yep. Um, one kid, pretty intriguing, um, I asked Dave's about him, is the local kid, Don Bosco kid, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> and he's Italian, so you know he's got to be real smart, Dave. You know that. <laughs> all right. Um, look, Dave's told me, you know, I asked Dave's about him. I said, you know, what, you know, what intrigues you about him to bring him in here and to try out? He had a tryout, he put him, they signed him under. He says, well, we like, the, we like the way, we like this intelligence. We love the way, he, you know, he spun that ball. You know, he had a good spin on it, you know, and we're going to get work with him and all that. Tell us about Tommy there. You know, he looks like a kid that's pretty fearless out, pretty fearless. He likes to zip the ball in tight windows. He's got a lot of confidence over there. And uh, what did you see in him, Dave? No, I, I like DeVito for, for exactly what they have him here for. They have him here for training camp. You know, I don't think they have him here for the 53-man roster. But, again, you're always going to have a quarterback on the practice squad, right, for multiple reasons. A, practice, and B, um, you, always have to, you always have to hedge a few bets with the quarterback position. Um, but like you said, I think that the coolest thing about him, other than the fact that he's from Jersey, Don Bosco, cool story, is that he's, he's, a, he's a competitor. And he, he had success at multiple different programs, multiple offenses. Uh, he actually did try to get another year in college. I think he got declined by the NCAA. Um, but, you know, and I think he knew. He knew he was going to get drafted this year, but maybe with another quality season at Illinois, he could have made it. But he did start 31 games, 43 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Um, so he protects the ball. And like you said, 
not the bet most natural arm talent. Like I don't think he can quote make every throw with just the arm, but when he gets lower half involved, it looks great. You know, he can put the ball on a string. Um, you know, so am, am I going to get overly excited about a, a six foot one, two ten quarterback? You know, that has a small frame that bounced around a little bit. Not really, but. You know, I've been wrong about quarterbacks before, guys that go undrafted, Tony Romo. Who saw Tony Romo when he came? So the, the point of me bringing that up is that in training camp, it's going to be fun to watch someone fresh, right? Last year we had Davis Webb playing quarterback. You already knew what Davis Webb was, right? This kid's going to come in with a complete clean slate, and now you can still – you can other the line. Hey, you never know with, with a kid like this. And whether that turns into your next Tony Romo, probably not or the next backup quarterback, because next year Tyrod Taylor's contract expires. Mm -hmm. So if this kid can show enough in the course of the year, A, that's going to save a lot of money because backup quarterbacks are not cheap, and it could save them a draft pick next year. So the the, the door is there for this kid to be the backup next year, um, and I, you know the mentality is there, the the, talent, the, the experience is there, and he was obvious, obviously sought after by this coaching staff, so it's going to be fun to watch. Oh, the remaining undrafted free agents, Dave. Uh, not to put you on the spot, is there anyone else that kind of stands out or has a shot, uh, maybe making the 53 or practice squad? Even? Um, you know, I, I was a fan, even though he didn't measure in very well, that the, the tight end slash H-back from East Carolina, Ryan Jones, when you watch, like they had him split out a lot. So he really was an oversized slot receiver. It was, he was kind of a hard guy to figure out where you're going to put him um, in, in the draft sack because he's, uh, he's under six foot two, 245. So that's, you know, not a tight end type body. Short on us, but he moves really well, catches the ball really well, and he's a great blocker on the move. So I'm, I'm wondering, will the Giants ever look into a fullback tight or a move tight end? I mean, the tight end group is pretty crowded, so it's going to be hard for him to make it unless they have a package with a fullback or a kind of like a, a moving back that he could kind of fit into that spot. Um, the corner from Michigan is uh, Green, Jamon Green, six one, one eighty six, good runner, good good triangle numbers. His tape is pretty good. I was actually surprised he went undrafted. Again, sixth, seventh round tier, so he's at that tier that we bring up again. Yeah. But the position value and the amount of corners that get drafted every year, to think that he wasn't one of them. Like, here's an example. I, if you asked me pre-draft who's going to get drafted in this, uh, by the Giants, this kid or Hawkins, I would have said Green. So he, he's, an interest, he's an interesting name to, to follow. And Troy Brown is just a – a bruiser inside with speed, the linebacker. And this linebacker group still is a little unstable to me. Uh, yep. I, sh I don't think Michael McFadden should feel overly confident in his role. Um, Beavers, you don't know how he's going to bounce back. Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown, those guys are special teamers only. So, you know, Troy Brown is a more economic decision. If his team is tied up against the cap, you know, these guys, they don't cost a lot, you know. So it just makes sense that if they can fill that special teams role um, – you know, I think that's one of the reasons Ryder Anderson made the team last year was, or eventually got onto the team was that uh, that special teams presence. He, he, he added something on special. So, you know, Troy Brown is someone that is going to get the attention of all the special teams coaches. So if he has a route to the making that roster, that'll be it. Speaking of tight ends, Dave, we talked about Ryan Jones. All right. So, you know, I hate I hate when you're right and I'm wrong. OK. <laughs> Man. So on draft night, I was oh, I had your cell phone. I was all ready to text you, you know. Um, and people don't know what I'm talking about. Dave had Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, basically like the third or fourth tight end going to be drafted, second round. And I was all ready, you know, that first <laughs> night. I was hoping the Raiders would take him. I was up, but Dave was right. 
Uh, he was the third tight end drafted in the second round. Dave was right. He said he's going to go early the first 20 in the second round, but he's going to be behind a few guys. And um, I hate to admit it, Dave, <laughs> but you were right. Uh, even Charlie Weiss, okay, was like, oh, man's going to be the first guy. <laughs> man's going to be the first guy, you know? Um, I but bet can, he was. I bet he was on some boards. I he, really do. I bet he was the number one I'm tight end sure, on some he boards. He might have been. All right. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, Kincaid went, and then the other kid went right before him in before the second it. round. Yeah. Um, which kind of surprised me. But you had that. You pegged it. Um, but I hope in three years, Dave, I am going to call you and say, oh, who's the best <laughs> tight end now, buddy? You know? <laughs> but I'll, but I'll no, no but the point, kudos to you, Dave. And, and folks, you know, Dave does – he's the main guy for Allen Scouts. And, and in my opinion – um, Dave Syverson is going to be a scout for an NFL team in the near future, all depending, you know, how Dave wants to pursue it, you know, personal. But I believe, Dave, you will be because I look at your body of work, you know, and there's so much you write on. And I, I want to punch you right over the head with Michael Mayer that you were right on with that <laughs> one. Um, but great job, dude, um, pegging that out. And um, and so many of these other guys, man, you know, uh, you uh, because, you know, after the draft, then you, you start seeing about guys who they had here. And, mm-hmm. and of course, it's not, a, it's not a perfect science. Guys are going to be off here, off there. But you look at the general body work, and a great job, Dave. That's all I want to say. Great job on this draft and, and telling, you know, our podcast listeners, you know, about what to look for. And, and people really look forward to you coming on because you're not just some tomato spewing some bullshit, <laughs> acting like, you know, you know, you put in the work and all that stuff, bro. Yeah. So I just want to... But I hate the fact that you were right about me. I have to admit, it irked me. I could smack you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Jerry, you'll edit that part. Uh, Dave, I'm going to smack you in the back of the head when I see a training camp. A cheap shot you because you'll beat the crap out of me if I hit your face. So, but anyway, great. You know, it's all tongue-in-cheek, dude. Great job. Yeah, it's all tongue-in-cheek. And, uh, you know, we all have we all have hits and misses. You know, I had multiple multiple guys that I overvalued that went day three, you know, uh, in the draft. But at the end of the day, if we really want to evaluate who's right, who's wrong, let's go back to the 2020 draft, you know, and – yeah, I'm, act- I'm actually I'm, it's done. I'm actually working on some content right now. Now that these fifth year options are being picked up or declined, you know that that's the time to really evaluate uh, a draft class. But you know, I'll tell you what about Meyer. He went to the right spot. You know, I mean that that see that offensive mind, McDaniel's. He knows how to get the most out of the tight end, and uh, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do there. He's going to be a good player. Dave, before well, you start to wrap it up, Jerry, just let me. Uh, Dave, what was the surprise? Any surprises in his first round? Guys drafted early than you thought, or maybe later than you thought? Just first round alone. I mean, the, yeah, the guy that I had drop out of the first round, he went round four. Um, was Adabari, the D tackle, the three tech from North from Northwestern. Yeah, yeah, I I had a first round grade on him, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stand on it and say that I still think he should have been taken in the first round. Okay. Um, but I will say the biggest surprise to me in the first round. Um, the the pick that made me scratch my head was not Jameer Gibbs. It was not even Nolan Smith dropping. It was Darnell Wright going to Chicago in front of Skaronsky. Right. You know, for a team that just needs a rock solid presence inside or outside, I don't think they know what they have at in Tevin Jenkins yet. Failed tackle, success at guard. He's a god. Yeah. They want. They might at still. Best. They might still want to try him at tackle. But Skaronsky could do – they could do both either. Skaronsky can play right tackle. And Darnell Wright, to me, is – he had one good year of football. And some of the issues that I see on tape at Tennessee and at the Senior Bowl, they worry me against NFL pass rushers. Just the lack of sustainability, um, small hands, not strong hands. He's powerful and he's fast. He's a good athlete. 
But that was the one. A, they they uh, overlooked Jalen Carter, who I have some information on. Like some, There were a lot of teams that were not even going to look at him. He's just really dirty off the field, character issues. So the fact that they traded back and got a fourth for him instead of taking Jalen Carter, I get it, I guess. Uh, that would have been a great fit if he, if he keeps his head on straight. But Darnell Wright going in front of Skaronsky to me was, was a move that I think this team five, ten years from now is going to really regret. Well, you, Dave, were you surprised Lucas Van Ness went at 13 and Will McDonald at 15? That surprised you? Not really. Only because, you know, Lucas Van Ness fits the profile of what the Packers want on the outside, like that Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith type bid, just big, physical. Um, he's, I mean, he's a little raw, um, doesn't have a ton of experience. But this, the NFL, I knew the NFL loved him. You know, everyone, everyone in the league, like, loved the kid, even right. though maybe some of the media didn't. McDonald going to the Jets, you know, it's funny that they're going to use him differently than what Iowa State used him. Iowa State wrongfully put him as a four-eye, basically a, a position that a guy that 280 pounds should be playing. This guy was 235, 240, and was not a run defender. With how the Jets use their front and what they currently have on that roster, I'm telling you, they're just going to send them as far outside as they can mm-hmm. and tell him to use that elite bend elite explosion right. um and he'll be an accessory i don't think he's gonna be an every down player and they have you it know it's they're deep and they yeah. solid solid defense is always deep up front so i think he gives them an extra weapon um and i can tell you this they were not going to take for Derek jones you know the steelers traded with the pats and everyone said that that was a move to get in front of the jets the jets were not going to take for Derek jones at that spot whoa so, breaking news man that, that's yeah. great stuff dave is that is that what obviously that's what you're hearing because yeah. the jets were getting lame based over that about hey yeah. belichick screwed you and all that stuff so you're saying jets were not going to take jones at that they were not going to take jones there so wow. you know and, so if the steelers thought stuff. if the steelers thought that they were trading in front of the jets to get them they they were wrong they overpaid well, you know what? You saw that in the media, like the Jets were a little sensitive on that issue, and now you find out why, yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so. Hey, Dave, that's great stuff, bro. Did not know that. Everybody just assumed that yep. they were going to take that big tackle, and you're saying, no, that's, that wasn't yep. going to happen. So, yep. hey, hey, folks, you know, that's great. That's right off the press stuff from Dave. And, uh, hey, the Jets were sensitive about that, man. They were like, yeah. you could tell the way they reacted. You, they basically wanted to say, what makes you think we're going to take him anyway? You know what I mean? You could yeah, just tell. Yeah. <laughs> now, now do you say it? That kind of confirms my reaction. Not nah, confirms. I'm sorry. Now I can see why they reacted like that because I, I thought they were yep. going to take Jones too, dude. I did. I did too. In the moment, I thought they were too. Uh, but I think they really like – they're going to move forward with Beckton at left tackle. And I think they, ha- they like what else they have in the room there. And the Joe Tittman pick – will give them flexibility with Elijah Vera Tucker, who who he can be a guy that can play guard or tackle. Yeah. So just I, I think they liked what they had and they they really wanted to that division is tough, right? And I don't think they should try to go down the path of trying to score points with the Bills and Dolphins, right? They they need to play defense. They need to rush the passer. I think that's their niche. I think that's their identity is can we get to the passer better than everyone else? And I think that's why the, that was really what engineered the McDonald pick. Oh, they have a good defense. They, if they were fourth yeah, in the league last year, they, I mean, they were, they were, look, they, let's face it, the Jets were quarterback away from being a playoff team. Yep, we'll see. And they got their quarterback now, and we'll see what they do. You know, In my opinion, out. Dave, in my opinion right now, and this is only May, whatever the hell we are, um, I think Buffalo takes a step back this year, and I think the division's up for grabs with the Jets, Miami, and Buffalo. I really I, do. I don't. I, I, New England, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go there yet with New England. Yeah. But I think the Jets have a very good chance of winning this division with Aaron Rodgers. I agree. I, really, I agree. I, As, I really do. I Any other they, surpri- I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. 
They just have to get up to a hot start. I, I, they, they just got to make sure they don't get two and four, and then the Boo Birds start coming down on Rodgers. Then I think he's just going to walk away. Oh, when the Giants <laughs> pick him off, oh, when the Giants pick him off three times the opening night that Monday. Night. I, heard, <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard a rumor, right? Nine yeah. eleven. Yeah. So yeah. we'll yeah. see. That yeah. would be a great thing. I think that would be a great thing for the city and the NFL. Really <clears> Dave, <throat> quick, quickly, Dallas behind us. Mazzy Smith, surprised you went that high at twenty. I shouldn't say that high, but you surprised you went at twenty six. Yes, I, I had a second round grade on him. Um, I'm not surprised Dallas took him though, because I think they they love like he's a freak. He was the number one guy on Bruce Feldman's freak list last year, which is basically the number one freak in college football mm-hmm. in the entire nation. Um, but I'll tell you what: to take an interior defensive lineman, a nose tackle that's not a pass rusher, is just, it's a fascinating decision to me to go that high. I know he's a freak athlete, and I know he pressured the guy had a half of a career sack over over his entire career at Michigan. Right. And, you know, to me, if you're going to take an interior guy, he's got to offer something in, in the pass rush department. And, I, you know, Dallas, need, that was a neat pick to me, right? They, they were – that was – you know, they had a hole at nose tackle. They, they made a bad decision last year at letting uh, their fifth-round pick, uh, Ridgeway. They tried to sneak him onto the practice squad. Washington scooped him up, and now he's their starting nose tackle in Washington. That was a, that was a blunder by that front office. And I think they just couldn't recover. They traded for Jonathan Hankins, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they they needed a body, and that was the best body for that position. I mean, on paper, he looks great. The height, weight, speeds, body type. But as a football player, he was woefully inconsistent. And so that that was just – it was a questionable decision to me. I, it, it sounded like it was between him and Matthew Bergeron, the uh, tackle slash guard that went to Atlanta, I think, in, in the early second round. And if you're asking me who would have been a better pick for that team this year and next year uh, down the road, it would have been Bergeron. He went to Atlanta in the 38th pick, Dave. You're right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Jerry, yeah, but Yeah, no, Dave, listen, I, I, you know, I can't thank you. We can't thank you enough for coming on and, and dropping your knowledge. Um, it's been incredible. The, the work you put in, like Chris said, is, is you know, second to none. I'd like to point out also that a few years ago you were not high on Sam Darnold. You had him as a, I think you gave him a second or third round grade. Yep. Uh, and everybody, you know, how can how can you not take this kid? So look, I'm yep. sure there's ones where you get wrong, but you get a lot Absolutely. right, Dave. Yeah. You, get, you get a lot right, man. And, and, and <laughs> you know, and I echo what Chris said before, the work you do is incredible. And I we can't thank you enough for, you know, dropping your knowledge here and, and recapping the Giants picks and the undrafted free agents. And, you know, we're going to have you on again before next draft, dude. We're going to have you awesome. on. Awesome. You know, love to have you on maybe maybe before college football, you know, yeah. because Dave writes an article every week, guys, you know, when the, when the season starts about what games to watch for Giant fans, right? Like matchups that you should be watching. And there's no reason why, you know, we can't have you on here and there uh, to talk about it on the podcast, too. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you guys have taught me out a lot. So thank you for the kind words. You guys put great work in, too. And it's, it's uh, you guys are fun to talk to. Some of my favorite guys to talk to leading up to the season. So um, whenever you guys want, if we can make it work schedule-wise, I'm in. You know what, Dave? And uh, you know, I'll see you at camp and everything. We'll hook up. We'll, we'll, we'll do yeah. some, some more stuff, and yep. it'll be a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> you know what? Yeah, it's a good idea, Jerry. You know, we'll have Dave on doing camp. See what the hell he's seeing, what I'm seeing. You know, uh, compare notes, all that crap. You know, it, it'll be it'll be a good time. So, um, Dave, thanks again, my man. Uh, thank. Uh, talk to you soon, Jerry. Thank you, guys. Dave, Dave, last thing. Um, yeah. If I see you at camp, if I end up going at all, I'm going to yep. wear a poncho so you're not judging my body type. So I'm just make sure. <laughs> you know, if you do that with everybody, do it with just players or what, but, you know, that's it. I just wanted to just don't, that don't, don't wear the same shorts that Eric Gray wears, and you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good stuff. <laughs>
All right, guys, to order a subscription to The Giant Insider, go to www.thegiantinsider.com and go to Magster for a digital subscription. That's M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. All right, guys, Sundays are giant days. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody.